This podcast is brought to you by Mad Company, a nonprofit theater company based out of New York City. Hello and welcome back to One Hail of a Conversation. My name is James Hale. I am your host and I have the immense pleasure of being in the studio with Adream Smith, actor, storyteller, uh, director extraordinaire. Um, welcome, welcome, a dream. Yeah, How are you? Thank you. I'm well. So excited to be Excellent. here. It's very exciting. We're just gonna dive right in. Okay. Start off with the hard hitting questions. Educational path. Mm-hmm. You went to Wesleyan for a BA, mm-hmm. I believe. You then went to UNC for the MFA program before landing here in New York. Um, I'm wondering, can you just sort of tell us how that journey, how that happened? Why, sure. why those places? Why that order? Yeah, I mean, you know, I I've been thinking about that recently. I I recently um like top of the year I got a box from of my stuff from one of my professors' house, bless her heart. I thought I got all my stuff out of her house, but I clearly <laughs> didn't. And literally I had programs, my school ID, books all from 2009. So it, this is oh, very okay. fresh on my Excellent. Uh, Fresh on my brain. But yeah, you know, I had the opportunity to go to Vanderbilt and I'm originally from Memphis. Hmm. And I often wonder like how differently my life would have been, you know, but I didn't, I chose Wesleyan because I was like, you know, what an opportunity to get away from home. I'll be, I'll be in between New York and Boston. I had never been to the Northeast. I didn't realize that Boston and New York wasn't as close to sure, Connecticut, you know, yeah, Wesley right specifically, <laughs> especially if you don't have a car. But I was like, yeah, they'll be right there. And, you know, Wesley had a strong academic program at that time in my life. I wanted to be a doctor and an actress. So it just made sense to go to a liberal arts school. Absolutely. They had strong a strong science program. And I didn't know much about the arts, but I knew that there was film and theater. And I was like, okay, that's enough. And so that's why I chose Wesleyan. Fortunately or unfortunately, when I got there, the science environment was just from, you know, talking to the kids on the street. They were like, oh, you know, they're weeding people out of the sciences because I guess a lot of people who go there, you know, go with the intention of going to some type of medical school or something. And it's just like, you know, that's not for everybody. But that's what someone has said, and that really just scared me. Mm. And I was like, I just want to keep taking science classes because I actually enjoy science. Right, I like learning this, sure. Right, and so... Instead of maybe like, I don't know, seeing for myself, I was in a science class and I think within the drop ad period, I just dropped it because I was like, I'm not trying to mess up my GPA, like <laughs> for what? And with with the acting, I you had to audition for acting one. And I, and I think hmm. I think back on this and I don't know if I signed up for the right class or yeah, it was the, a little strange. Right, right. So not only did I have to audition, I didn't get in. And the guy was just like, oh, try again next semester. And Wesleyan, you have to declare your major sophomore year, which is nice. You know, they give you a year to kind of figure some things out. Settle in. Yeah. But I I had coming out of high school, I was like, high school flew by. I'm like, college is going to fly by. Like, I don't have time to be waiting a whole another semester. Okay. So I just let it go. I get, you know. Wow. Okay. I know. It's dark. And they eventually fired that person before I graduated. Oh, no. Yeah, karma. <laughs> because of you? Did you did you narc? I did didn't. You... I didn't. But it just it in some ways it kind of helped put a little bomb on that wound. Sure. Of that this person 
may or may not didn't have, you know, just people's best interests in heart. Sure, yeah. Anywho, but that put me on a, a different path for a while. Like, I became an American Studies major. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about becoming a U.S. ambassador. I know. That'd just, be sick. Yeah. And then I just I started learning a lot about this country and the history of this country mm-hmm. in in ways that just I'm just like everybody needs to know this information, you right. know? Like what if I hadn't signed up for this class? What if I hadn't come to college? What about all my friends who are at this college who aren't taking this they class? Don't know, right. What about the people who aren't even going to college, you know? That's so interesting. Yes. And so I will say, you know, irrespective of all the different paths and how, um, you know, it was a culture shock and all these other things, I cannot refute that I got an excellent education. Excellent. Excellent. And it's so funny with the recent um, strike down of affirmative action Mm. in my sophomore year, we talked about this in my U.S. racial formations class. There's this book called Yellow. I'm blanking um, on the author's name. But he talks about it specifically from the Asian American perspective and how you can't compare, you know, the Asian American experience with the Latinx American experience with the African American experience because they're all in this country for different reasons. Sure. You know, historically, Africans were brought to this country by force. Mm. You know, Latinx people historically have come to this country because of political and dangerous situations that like push right, them out fleeing, something, fleeing sure. right and then you know like the asian like seeking economic opportunities exactly right. so they're all right and so it was so interesting i literally opened one of the notebooks and it was talking about affirmative action after i had just read the news and i was like oh like recently looking back at it literally right because like oh, i said i was going through boy. the books i'm like decluttering yeah. okay stuff from 2009 i clearly don't need it and i was just like what are the odds that I come across this notebook on this day, Yikes. and the the t- I'm like, and this you is why. Then what you know now. Right. Oh. Anywho, we have digressed. We have. Um, I love that. So you're so you're at Wesleyan. You're studying. You're you got a BA in. Forgive me. It was um, Bachelor Amer- of Arts, American Studies, American studies. With race and ethnic. A uh, concentration yeah, of race concentration. and ethnic studies. Okay, yeah. so you're you're taking classes there. You have effectively stopped trying to pursue acting. Yeah, yeah. How then did you end up going to UNC for an MFA in, I believe, theater? Yeah, in acting. Yeah, so my senior year, uh, I came across this flyer promoting the vagina monologues. Okay. And I was like, I knew nothing about it, but I was like, you know what? Let me just go try. Sure. You know? And I got in, I, I got accepted into the production. And oh, you were cast. Okay. I was ca- cast in the production. And it was so much fun. <laughs> and I was like, wow. And then it was like my tenure out. I, I started discovering all these things that Wesley had to offer. Like mm-hmm. the student, the students in the film department make films. They make shorts and they, they need actors. Act right. And so like I was in like a student film and... And then there's this. This was theater. your senior year. This is my senior wow. year. Yeah. Okay. And there's this uh, student-run uh, theater called Second Stage, which I think is, you know, mimicked off of the New York Second yeah. Stage, and like they do student productions. And so I was in a senior thesis, and I was just like, man, all this time, all this time, you know, even if I didn't go through the traditional training of acting, I could have been still involved, right. but yeah. I didn't know. You don't know. You don't I know what you don't know. That's it. And so. 
I left Wesleyan like inspired, like, oh, okay, like maybe there's still hope, but really clear that I needed and wanted training. Of course. And so I went into corporate America after graduation um, into advertising and was still like trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And then I got to a, a point where I was just like, okay, I can't, a lot of these programs that I'm seeing or that I was looking at specifically like summer intensives, mm-hmm. I was just like, I can't do that and a full-time job. And so I made the choice to just like exit stage left and try to figure it out. Like really bet on myself. Yeah. Amazing. And so I did uh, two different summer programs over two different summers. One at William Esper and one at Stella Adler. Mm. And it was... Were were you in New York working at the time? Yes, yes, yes. Um, And so it was great. I learned a lot. And I still felt like it was hard for me to synthesize the information because at that point, you know, I'm working different freelance gig jobs and yeah, I was just like, I just want to focus. Like, I don't want to have to be worrying about how I'm doing this commute here. This is, I just want to be able to learn the thing and do the thing. Right. And that's how I started looking at MFA programs. And... Yeah, it's, it's so funny. I, I was at UCB taking uh, watching a show, and one of the guys afterwards, I don't know, I was just congratulating him on the show, and I don't know why I shared, but I was like, I'm thinking about going to MFA, you know, getting an MFA, and he was just like, okay, what plays are you reading? And I was like, oh. um, I don't know. I mean, what plays should I be reading? Right, what does that mean? Right, and he gave me a whole list, and he was like, listen, you need to go to the drama bookshop, and... I was, like, taking notes, and one of the plays he recommended was by Susan Lori Parks. And so I go okay. into the drama bookshop, and there is a flyer at the drama bookshop. Um, and she was doing, in rep at Signature Theater, the Red Letter wow. plays. So, fucking A and um, In the Blood. And so, oh, I was like, so what are the odds? That's crazy. That's, yeah, yes. the kismet. Very much so. So, of course, I go see both. And I see somebody that I had met at like an after party during like the Tony seasons in one of the plays. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm in the audience. You know, I like text him. I don't listen. (laughs) And he responded. And I was like, oh my gosh. So anyway, after that, he goes to talk to the cast and the other production. And, you know, it just, it it, it all, it feels very divine. I like meet some people in there. One of the ladies in that play is an alum of ACT. And so, you know, she was talking to me about that program. And I just started getting connected to people who had recently graduated from MFA programs. Mm -hmm. And so they were kind of like putting me on game. Like, listen, you need to apply to Erdos. Obviously apply to like the top schools. Right. You know. Shoot your shot, but also. Shoot your shot. And, and this is also how you can, like, get a quality education and not go into debt. That's some real tea. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, okay. So I did all that. I got a, I made, I got an end-of-day call back at NYU. First time. I was like, okay, girl. Oh, damn. Right. That's a, that's a big-time program. It was, yeah, it was really exciting. And I got no, no bites from Erdos. So that hmm. was my big win, like in sure. the day callback NYU. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I was like, okay. I was coming from the Yale audition and I was on the train coming back uh, to New York from New Haven. Mm-hmm. And this girl 
we use the same coach. She was on the phone talking to her partner or whatever, and she was just like, yeah, okay, I, you know, that didn't go well, but, like, I'm, this is what I'm thinking, like, London, da-da-da-da. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I know that's right. When one door closes, you just go find that's another right. you one. Piv- you pivot. Pivot. <laughs> and I was just like, that's freaking brilliant. And in that moment, I decided I'm going to apply again, and – what do I need to do or who do I need to be mm-hmm. so that I'm not the same artist this time next year? Right. Right. That they see something different. That's it. And that was my whole goal. It wasn't like, I want to get into art. It's just like, I want to be a different artist this time next year. And so right. um, there was this, there's this program in London called the Identity School. And it, it, a lot of people of color go there. John Boyega is the graduate of the school. It's oh, wow. right. Okay. And they also have a, a agency. And so they're repped by the, you know, that agency portion. Okay. Feeder program into the agency. Right. Right. And not necessarily everybody, you know, there's no guarantee, but, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so one of uh, a friend of mine that I had met when I like went out to L.A. on a whim during my corporate time (laughs) and very kismet as well, though, like I was still in corporate, went to L.A. uh, to visit a friend. And this web series developer, uh, Numa Perry, she's like gone on to have great success, but she started in the web series. She mm-hmm. had this channel called with her partner at the time called Black and Sexy TV. Okay. And this was during uh, Oscar So White, all that jazz. Sure. And so she was, you know, creating alternative content. And it was happening around the time that I was in L.A. So I had reached out to all these uh, YouTube content creators. And I was like, hey, I'm going to be in L.A. I'd love to grab coffee, you know. And everybody responded. But she was the one who was like, hey, I'm not available for coffee. But if you're in town for this thing, you're invited. (laughs) Honey, I changed my plane ticket. (laughs) I became available, okay. And so at that event, and it was basically like, it was like not Jeopardy, but like a, a battle of the, you know. Sure. But like movie titles. Okay. So my my movie that I had to defend was uh, the Five Heartbeats. You had to defend. So this is right. Like, a like why of this some is the sort. greatest okay. movie of all time? <laughs> okay. Yeah, that was the category, greatest film of all time. And the girl, the young lady who I was going against was uh, defending the color purple. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So at this party. Uh, or event, the guy who, his name is JQ, he was in one of the web series. We connected, fast forward, back to the present. He went to Lambda. Okay. And so I'm on the train, and I reach out to him, and I'm like, hey, I'm thinking about, you know, applying to Identity. Like, you know, have you heard of it? What are your thoughts? And he was just like, yo, they're opening up a L.A. branch. You should apply there. And I was like, no, that would be more cost effective than going across the pond. Than going to London, yeah. Right, right. And so I applied. I got in. I flew out for the audition. I, like, flew out for 24 hours, came back, got in. I did that program for about two months. It was a part-time program, so you kind of, like, could pay, you know, as you go. Yeah. And I think the structure's like that because, like, a lot of people in L.A. are already working creative. So, like, some of the people in my class were stunt professionals or professional gotcha. dancers. Sure. But it was there that I was like, I want to be a master. I think <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I think it's great to always be learning 
And I think, you know, staying a student of the craft is important. Right. But every teacher... Recognizing that we are always students. Exactly, exactly. But every teacher that they brought in to to teach us had a master's. Mm. And I was like, yeah, I want a master's. And also, you know, the benefit of going to not necessarily an accredited institution. I don't know if accredited is the word I'm looking for. There is another word, uh, but it allows the school to offer like scholarships, you okay. know. So going to like a let's just say old school school, you Your know, traditional, traditional. Thank yeah. you, James. Come on, <laughs> we got there. <laughs> you know, it it allows for for those top those type of opportunities. Whereas because this was a newer institution, you know, still getting set up, you know, that wasn't a, a possibility. Right. So. I apply round two, and I get like 20 taps from schools and Erdas. I make it to end of day again at NYU. Yep. Okay. I'm like, okay, wow. there's some consistency. NYU wants you. Listen, <laughs> and, you know, I I was, I had like top, three top schools. I was looking at UNC, UT Knox, okay. and uh, University of Washington. And sure. Yeah, I was actually at University of Washington when I got the call from UNC, and I was like, oh, buddy. And I think, you know, I chose, I ran into an alum of UNC okay. at UT Knox while I was there visiting the program. She was in um, one of their plays. So UT Knox also has a professional theater okay. connected to their program, the Clarence Brown Theater. Right. Okay. And they were doing a production of Detroit 67, where it's also where I met Gerard. Of course. And... Um, and I didn't realize you were there visiting that program. I thought yeah. you okay. Wow. I was there visiting that program. And because one of the leads was an alum of UNC, I was like, hey, you know, can we talk after the show? Right. So, of course, I get to meet the whole cast. And, you know, and she gave me her insight. And that's really what swung the pendulum for right. me. And so that's why I chose UNC. I was like, you know. The one the program is run by women, and most of these other programs are men led. Um, is that I, an intentional thing from UNC, or just sort of an accident you know, that it, it happened? I don't that know way. if it's intentional. I mean, the program used to be the program used to be run by a man, right. the MFA program, but there were still women on faculty. But he was phasing out, and so the new head of the program was a woman. And also the artistic leadership at Playmakers was a woman. Mm, okay. And so I don't think that was intentional, but that's just, just what was. Right. Yeah. And one of my mentors spoke highly of the artistic director, and I was just like, that's all I needed. Great. And so that's how I chose UNC, and also there was funding, you know? Always got to take the funding into account. Listen, school is expensive. School is expensive. And when you're not working a corporate job, you know, paying those loans off is a thing. Yeah. And so if you have an opportunity to get quality and graduate debt free, do it. Then that's what you do. Yeah. So that's Wesleyan UNC. You was in UNC, but you were in New York post Wesleyan pre UNC. So Correct. I assume you came back here because you and Gerard. No, I didn't know. Here, I didn't know Gerard. When you came back to Carolina. Oh, 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 oh. You came back to Carolina. Post Carolina. Post Carolina. Yeah, I mean, I came back to New York because um, I just, I feel like, you know, when I did my stint in LA with Identity, I just got really present to how, how different people move out in LA. 
you know, sure. I think a benefit of New York that you don't necessarily realize is because everybody's kind of stacked on top of each other. Like the frequency of you running into somebody, you know, becomes higher. You know, um, the subways run 24 hours a day, <laughs> you know, so like right. the driving and getting stuck in traffic, like that's not really a thing. If you're willing to get on the train and, you know, fortunately, if the train, if it's just one train to get to you, then people are, you know, the likelihood of linking up is higher. Sure. There's a lot of free programming in New York. We could just mm-hmm. go to a park. Totally. It just, it, it, it seems to be less barriers of opposition to actually have community and to foster community. Whereas my experience in L.A. is like if you don't live in the same neighborhood, you know, you just might not see see people. people. Right. Yeah. That's really interesting. And I feel like obviously that that becomes that that's person to person, you know, how much you value the relationship, et cetera. But I think the overall energy was just kind of like you don't people don't go outside of certain distances to see people and people are busy. And it's like, what can you do for me? If it's not worth my time. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Right. I mean, now that was my experience. I'm not saying that's what it is for everybody. I'm not saying that's what it is today. But having experienced that and having experienced a sense of community here, I was like, I'd rather come back here. Right. Um, and let a job take me to L.A. That makes complete sense. Yeah. You know, base yourself here and know that you might have to be bi-coastal. Yeah. Yeah. But and that's... Uh, that's how a lot of people operate in this profession at a certain level. Yeah. So. And I just feel like, you know, there's I just have more tenure on this on this coastline, you know. So right. if I need, you know, so I, I got family. I consider them family. But, you know, my chosen family in Connecticut from when mm-hmm. I was in grad school. So if anything happens, Connecticut's up the street, you know. Right. New York is a hub. I have family in Chicago and Memphis. I can get there easily from this airport, you know? Yeah. So, and then if I need to get back down to North Carolina, Playmakers wants to hire me. It's a straight flight. Play, playmakers, she's available. Playmakers. She's, she's <laughs> available, Playmakers. <laughs> or DPAC, listen. Oh, I would love to be at DPAC. Yes. DPAC is great. Mm-hmm. Denver um, or Durham. Both of the Ds. Yes. All the Ds. Someone hire me. <laughs> Interesting. So, I want to dig in a little bit. I so far have only interviewed people who have been to Lambda. So I was really, really obviously intimately familiar with the training they went through. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm curious about the MFA program at Carolina and sort of how you would describe the training, what types of of techniques and courses you were taught. Like, is there anything noteworthy that you think is sets UNC apart? Were you just doing endless scene study classes? Were you... You know, what What was the educational experience actually like? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. I feel like in some ways it'd be easier to answer if I, you know, like I could do an apples to apples or a comparison to another program. Sure. You know, so I feel like it's in some ways it's kind of hard to say, oh, well, it was top notch because we got this and I right. know nobody else got that's it. That's fair. But we we definitely didn't do endless scene study. I and I also would like to caveat that I feel like the training that was intended may or may not have been achieved because of the COVID. pandemic. Right. Right. So okay. there's that. I think my faculty, you know, did the best that, you know, they could with the given circumstances. In some ways, 
you know, like I did clown over Zoom, right? Ooh, okay. Yeah. I broke things in my house. <laughs> As you often um, do while clowning. Yes. However, I became an aunt at that same time. And so gibberish wow. was right. like a gift to be able to use with my nephew. You know, like we have full Just on conversations. Yes. And it was, it's so cool. And I, I feel like we have a special connection because of that. Like he still talks to me now in gibberish. And I'm just like, I know. Hell yeah. Talk I to me. You. Yeah. Let me see. What What's something that I really enjoyed? Well, you so know? I, I guess to, to clarify my question a little yeah. bit, when I think about Lambda, if I was to like describe the education that we got there, I'd be like, basically they operate on the tenets of like the classical actor training, which mm. is more or less like movement or body, okay. voice, and then music. Oh. Um, and then those are like the three pillars classically. And then they also have sort of shoehorned in more broadly like acting, sure. where, they, where we would do the scene study class or we would practice monologues or we would break down text. Okay. Um, so, and that's the only training really that I am familiar with or that I've been exposed to. And so I don't know, like, is that every MFA, right, every master's right. program is based off that? Is there an ethos somewhere um, that I'm just not aware of? Yeah. Okay. That's that, that's helpful. I, okay. So similarly, we moved each year with a focus on movement, voice and speech and acting. Okay. So those are kind of our three sure. tenants. And in each year, uh, in those different verticals, like how we approached it changed. So mm. like year one in movement was very much about like forgetting everything you know and baby brain right. and, right. you know, um, how do you tell a story off of a gesture and or like a, a photo and like, can you recreate the photo with your body? Hmm. And, you know, just okay. right, very, very playful. Yeah. Um, ways to kind of like get into character and then like year two was about clowning and then year three you know was looking at solo show like so how do you take all these different things mm. to put it together but so in movement specifically I know year two there was supposed to be a focus on Alexander and like you know really bringing in a practitioner like laying us on the table okay. like a whole semester of that being focused a focus but I know because of COVID you know boom yeah. Right. Jeez. Um, and then with voice and speech, um, our teacher, we had two teachers, one trained in the Linklater method and the other one, I was also trained in a particular style. Some technique, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Scott Miller, I think Scott. Okay. Um, and yeah, like it was really cool. It was really interesting for me specifically because I've always considered myself vocally loud you know okay. even though like i personally am not loud but i have considered myself to have you know strong vocal capabilities okay because in high school i was the mascot and i wasn't no way yeah yeah what what was the mascot what were right. you just as well it, it was it was a warrior um okay. but our mascot wasn't like the traditional mascot with the bubble head Oh. Like I had I just had on an outfit. You could see my you could oh, see my face. You were, okay, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. You weren't you weren't wearing Ramses. You right, were, you no, 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 no. With the Ram. I wasn't okay. doing that. So, you know, I laid, I later learned this like towards my senior year in high school that, you know, there's a whole mascot code, mascots don't talk, all that jazz. <laughs> but I'm like, well, that doesn't apply to me. Right, that's not me. Cause I don't have on a bubble head, you know. <laughs> so I would be talking to the audiences, you know, the, the guests at the games. I was the person that got the wave started at the Liberty Bowl. 
football game. Like, you know what I'm saying? Wow. That's the type of energy okay. I, I move with. Sure. And then I feel like, you know, I went to corporate and that got muted in a way. Mm, of course. And so to get to grad school and my vocal teacher be like, I can't hear you. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, honey. <laughs> I know that's I'm, not true, right? <laughs> you know, but it was true. And wow. and it was in it was you know through working with her that I realized oh I have my memory of who I am but my body isn't necessarily showing up wow. in that energy and so I had to like you know then vocal warm ups come into play and it's just like oh I actually have to do some things to get my body to mm-hmm. like really resonate in a way that it used to naturally because wow. I've shifted you sure. know so I think that's the biggest gift. I got from graduate school is like gaining that awareness and then gaining those tools to to experience it for myself because I feel like unlike other art mediums or even just professions acting is that thing that you you have you get better at by doing but it's oftentimes you know you can think you're doing great and it cannot be effective right you know so to experience my voice resonating and like you know hear the feedback from my my peers but irrespective of them to hear it for myself right i was like okay this stuff works you know they know what they're talking they about. know what they're talking yeah, about I, I feel like i certainly had a moment similar to that of you know going into grad school and like i had some training and i'd show up and i'm like yeah these guys are saying weird things and we're doing weird stuff mm-hmm. and like kind of whatever and then i don't actually remember when it happened but i know that from where i started to where i like ended up like at some point i became a true be- true believer sure and so there must have been a moment where i thought oh no this they know yeah they know they, something they yeah, know yeah. like this works. Yeah. They know what they're doing. So is that specifically with the vocal work that you felt like you really um, either learned the most or connected with the most? I I just, I feel like the vocal work was something tangible, you mm. know, like um, movement. As I said, I wonder, you know, I wonder what could have been possible because I had a, I had a teacher um, when I was at Stella and he was, you know, at the, after the end of the program, he was just like, you know, I really think you doing Alexander would serve you. Mm. And I didn't really know what that meant. Right, I didn't know okay. who Alexander was. I was <laughs> sure. just like, okay, yeah, sure. Right, okay. Great. And so then when I heard the name again, you know, as I started researching graduate programs, I was like, oh, okay, okay, great. This like this thing, program right, has yeah. that. Great. And so to not... To not get it, and 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 then, but to get the awareness of like, yeah, I do this, I do this thing. Here's my habitual. Yeah, whatever. you yeah. know, or I see it in pictures, and it's just like, hmm, hmm, okay, I know I do it because I see it in pictures, but like, oh snap, if I'm doing this in pictures, am I bringing this to every character? Right. And if every character is different, uh, right. you know, and so. Yeah, and I, I I mean with the acting, you know, text analysis and finding operative words and like how do you lift the text and you know there's 17 different ways to say things like right. you know I think that's nice and 
it was nice to just experience, like say this line, okay, we're gonna we're gonna just lift this word. Now right. we're just gonna lift this word. In in the regards of thinking of like how do you make something different every night and how do you how do you remain playful? How do yeah. you remain playful? Yeah, so that it doesn't get stale for you or for the other person when you can't change the words. Right. So hmm. I was just like, okay. But one thing that I, I wish that would be taken into consideration with all programs is that when you have people, some people that are coming from BFA programs and then some people that are coming from no training. Right. Or piecemeal training. Or piecemeal yeah. training. Then what is the almost like evaluation test? You know, like how do you, hmm. and, and maybe just in the first year, first semester, how do you get a sense of where everybody is so that, you are progressively getting everybody to the same level. Right. You know, versus coming in with the assumption that everybody knows how to beat out a scene, you know, text analysis, this, that, and a third, when that's not always necessarily the case. True, yeah. yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, we at Lambda, there was definitely something similar, at least in like a first few months, was just breaking down habits. Sure. Getting yeah. you in the mindset to receive the eventual information um which i like in my head know that happened over the first couple months yeah and we there were a lot of us who were sort of impatient with like when are we actually going to learn things sure. like you're just telling us what to not do or we're just doing endless exercises to like relax yeah when are we going to actively learn something and they'd be like wait 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 it'll mm. come it'll come and it did eventually come but now thinking back to it, the time of greatest learning, I think for me, was the first few months there, mm. which is when on paper we were technically learning very little. Right, right. It was all about what have you brought with you? Everyone's brought all these different things. Mm -hmm. So we just need to spend endless hours in a voice class trilling and phonating and wow. learning what's happening or laying on the ground and like feeling your body. So I'm glad I'm glad to to hear that it, that's you know a uniform thing, yeah. At least across two schools. Yeah, body scans—they're like mm. so powerful. I remember um, at Stella we did oh, it was it, it it still sticks out to me. We like did this body scan, and then he wanted us to just like move throughout the room, and he was playing this like you know like instrumental, low key, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then he wanted us to audiate and like people were just like making different sounds and then like, but they all started to harmonize and then it turned into like some angelical type. I was just like, what is What's this? happening? Yeah. You know, like the lights were like, like, it was, it was a very like, this is some, yeah. Some weird shit. Yeah. It can be, it can be, yeah. It can be weird. Yeah. Powerful. Powerful. That's the word. It can be powerful. Mm -hmm. Amazing. So Wesleyan, you worked for a few years. You you found the thing you wanted to pursue. You pursued it. You're back in North Carolina. No, you were in North Carolina. I'm getting North Carolina and New York confused. Okay. You're back in New York, mm -hmm. big city. Uh, you moved here. It was 2022. last. So last year. Okay. Mm -hmm. All of us are obviously at the stage of our career where we're very much balancing life, jobs, auditions, trying to be artists. How are you finding art? Do you feel that you're finding that balance? And if so, like, how do you navigate that? Is that something that's intentional for you or do you just do whatever's in front of you? 
Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm still figuring out the balance. Sure. I think um, I'm just now getting in a solid place. Yeah. So I was, I've been working remotely and part-time for UNC Steel, the graduate school oh, that's right. specifically. Okay. And so a lot of last year in the fall and even in the spring was like every other month going back to North Carolina. Mm. And it was great. I feel like in a spiritual way, it allowed my, you know, sophomore grad school self to heal from that year we lost, Yikes. you know, yeah. um, in some ways. But it was it's, it's, it's exhausting to, you know, just feel like you're constantly not at home. You know, and moving in itself is a thing. And so I feel like I'm just now in a place of like, I can declutter. You know, I was like, yo, when I first got here, it wasn't even about what do you need? What do you not need? It was just like, get the stuff out the boxes. Right. You know, just get it out. Get it out the boxes. And so now I'm in a place of like, okay, actually, I need to let this go so that I can make room for the stuff that I really want. And not just in a physical way, but in a spiritual way as well. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, and so I feel like that's where I am right now, and it has been very intentional. And, and, and But with that, it's like, how do I balance, you know, getting myself, creating a routine for myself now that I'm outside of the structure of graduate school? Right. And I think that's been my focus and I'm and I'm trying I'm oscillating between do I do I do that at the expense of simultaneously trying to build community. Right. Because for me community is really big and you know being in the Bronx whereas last time I was in New York I was in Brooklyn and now mm. that I'm back everybody and their mom is in Brooklyn right. and so it's it, it's like real effort A to meet removed. up with people. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, uh that's that's been a challenge for me because I, like I said I enjoy community and I feel like I actually owe it to myself to if 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 it means to be removed to be removed to get myself set up hmm. get a routine in place get a process in place and that's cuz that's one thing too I feel like now that I'm removed from graduate school I can really reflect on all the tools that we were given and it's like okay we were given a lot I might not need a scalpel every time I'm doing something, you know, maybe I need a butter knife, you know, maybe I just need the scissors. But I think you also need to have the time without the distraction of every which a thing to be like, okay, what is going to be my process when I get the work? How am I constantly staying in process? So every time that I get an audition, I don't feel like I got to ramp up to get ready. You know, it's just a matter of like, okay, and we're flowing, you know, and that's, that's where I want to be, and and in some ways I feel like you know I'm I'm getting there, I'm seeing the progress, and I want to be better, you know. So, that's lovely. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. I I I definitely feel that about like maintaining some sort of readiness. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it happens in music actually, where like just because I take my eye off it and I don't think about it, it'll be weeks between me like singing. Mm. And then all of a sudden I get some sort of musical audition and I'm like, oh shit, I haven't sung in two weeks. It takes me two full days to just like shake off the rust right. before I can then even start approaching this audition. Yeah. And it, I, it it's less tangible and less obvious to me, but it is the same for any sort of straight play or non-musical audition as well. Like if you're outside of that 
sort of creative mindset, creative, you know, self, whatever it is, um, it does take some time to get back into, but it's also hard to constantly be in that place of readiness yeah. without ever getting to move beyond it to an actual role or being, being, you know, not having control of when you can move into an actual role. Which I'm is... going to agree and disagree okay. on that. Because I feel like the greatest, the great people, the Serena Williams, the LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, you know, they're never not working out. Right. They're never not watching film. Okay, off season, great, still training. Yeah. You know, and so I'm in a space of like, how do I bring that type of mentality mm. to acting? You know, I, I for a long time I was just like, man, musicians have it easy. Like you got scales, you know, like you know how right. It's easy to practice. You know how to practice. You know, like do 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 do. Okay, great. I got better. Right. right. And I'm like, what is that for the actor? Mm. You know, is that, okay, doing a vocal warm-up every day. And I'm in this space of, like, trying to figure out what is, yeah. what are my vocal skills, you know? So I know vocally I need to warm up. But also my body, it's like, if this is my instrument, I need to be strong. Like, I need to be building my stamina. Um, how do I stay ready or like you know if i get an audition that i'm not just acting from here up you know how do i right. stay connected how do i stay open and vulnerable you know like those are the questions yeah. that i'm trying to you know work on and i think in maybe not doing everything every day but like i'm gonna do a vocal warm-up today right. tomorrow i'll go to the gym you know i feel like as long as you're doing one thing right. of the things then you're always in that readiness state absolutely and you know, it's not you're not burning yourself out so that when you get the thing, you're tapped. Right. And, and at least it keeps you in the mindset of I need to be getting better, not yeah. I need to always be getting better at every moment. Right. But every day, you know, this is what we pursue. Um, but I agree. I mean, you think about sort of peak performance in any field and there's definitely the greatest performers art um musicians athletes um writers they all have these really tangible ways that they can get better mm -hmm. um and i feel like that's so difficult for actors because i think mm -hmm. it's mostly or at least in large part because acting is inherently not a solo individual pursuit yeah you know as an athlete you can do this one thing to get better at your, your part of the team. Right. Yeah. And that makes you better as a singer, as a musician, you practice your instrument, you get better. Mm -hmm. um, as an actor, we are not inherently going out and doing a thing just by ourselves. There are lots of monologues that you can practice, yeah. but that's not really the core of what we do. Yeah. Which is, I think what in my head anyways, what makes it so difficult to find that like individualized specific practice that feels like I'm tangibly getting better. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's why I like having a gym, a creative gym is mm. important, you know, whether that's a scene study class, whether that's an on camera class on zoom, you know, like keeping yourself around iron so that you're constantly being sharpened, yeah. not by your own like oh, mentality, like you know, mindset or, but just like being around other people. Like, and I'ma just go ahead and hype it up. Mad company. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, let's just talk about it for a second. Right. Like let's talk a about group of people, you know, recent MFA or, you know, master graduates who are like, we're going to 
do the thing. Yeah. We're going to make the thing and we're not going to wait around doing it. In just by articulating that and taking actions toward that, you all are sharpening yourselves not only as artists but as business people. And that piece is 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 really critical because most yep. artists don't know how to operate as businesses. And that's the pitfall Absolutely. of the whole starving artist phrase or whatever. It's like, actually, no, that doesn't have to be your truth. Right. And that doesn't have to be the reality. But if we're not putting ourselves around people who have the business acumen to be like, actually, I'm the CEO of this company of DreamSmith Incorporated. And, oh, this is what you're doing. Oh, this is how you file your taxes. Oh, this is how you make sure you're on budget. Right. Then that's another way of you're staying ready. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The everything beyond the actual like this happens on stage, this happens on camera, because for, unfortunately, I mean, I don't personally, not personally intimate with the A-listers who are always acting, but every working actor I know, mm -hmm. the amount of time they spend acting on camera, on stage, is minuscule compared to right. everything else. Right, You know, less than 10% of their time is spent actually doing the thing mm -hmm. that we train for. The rest of it is getting prepared, or right. finding the job, or dealing with life uh, that still happens around the thing that we all are obsessed with. Right. Um, but yeah, Mad Company has been quite the quite the eye opener. Um, there's a lot of work that yes. goes that goes into it. That as actors, we tend to not see. You know, we enter into an audition room mm -hmm. or into a rehearsal room or on set, and just do the thing. And all these pieces are there. And I, I know for myself, I tend to take that for granted. Mm -hmm. That just, oh, of course in this audition room or in this rehearsal room, there's all these things. Of course, on set, there's mm -hmm. all this stuff that happens. But every piece of that is months of work mm -hmm. and lots of money um, mm -hmm. and lots of talented people willing to put their time and effort into this thing. It's a lot. It is. But I think a what a gift. What a gift as an actor to have access to that perspective. Hmm. You know, because I, I think also in not necessarily being prepared with the business acumen side of what it takes to be an artist, most actors specifically don't have the perspective of what's going on on the other side of the table. Right, of course. And I feel like once you get that perspective, it doesn't happen all the time, but most of the time it's easy for you to walk out that room and be like, listen, I did what I did. Now, if they don't want me, it's not because I didn't do my part. You know, right. there's 17 other people. There's, you know, they're doing a Tetris with the cast. Right. There, you know, there's directional relationships. There's, there's things that I can't control. And I feel like that then allows you to sleep a little easier and move on to the next of thing. Course, yeah. You know? Yeah, you can't hang on to it so tightly. But you, you've been on the other side of the table here. So I see on your, your resume here, there's a film happy anniversary that yeah. you were the lead in and directed. Yes. Um, tell me about that project. What, what is that? How did that come about? Was that your first time directing? That was my first time uh, directing, I think, myself on film. I Before I went to graduate school, I directed this play called Sisters on Fire, Okay. Um, which was a musical... Uh, a musical... It's, it, 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 it evolved. It had many iterations. Um, it started as a series of essays from these two professors who teach out in Long Island, and then they wanted to turn it into a play. Um, and it had a life, you know, back when Katrina happened. 
And uh, this young man who, you know, is constantly working on Broadway, uh, was the musical director. So, I mean, it's it's had some big people touch it. And then when I got involved, it was like 2016-ish. And um, I was initially in the play as an actor. Okay. And we did it out in Long Island at like one of the libraries. And I just said to myself, I say, you know, if this play comes back, I'd love to direct it. And the producer reached out and was like, hey, the director's sick. You know, we loved what you did. Would you be interested? And I was like, yes. Um, And so it had a life here in the city um, at the tank. And um, you know, it was it was well received, and people were like, "What are you doing next?" And you know, I was Damn. like, "Wow, right. you, gotta do you something know, next then. right?" Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, it it was great, but then I was also like, oh, I felt like there are people who do this professionally who have studied for it, you know. So then the little imposter syndrome, of, right. you know, that we all get, of course. And we did it again at. Uh, the American Airlines, you know, like they have the, there's like 40, on 42nd stage. No, 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 no. Um, it's over on Broadway, but American Airlines Theater has like a fl- another floor where they oh, do like their black box. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah uh, the, maybe the Pels or something. <sighs> I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't remember, but yes, yeah. the yeah, the, the second stage. The right, right, stage. right, right, right. So we did it there, and it, it also went over well. And then I was like, I'm going to grad school. So that was that was kind of like my directing experience with that. And and with Happy Anniversary, um, it, it actually started as a monologue. So during okay. the pandemic, um, a, a, a colleague of mine, Larry Powell, was doing this online course uh, called Papa, which was just about like making arts, you know, uh, more accessible and empowering artists. Oh. And one of the tasks during the program was to write a monologue and record it. Mm. And you know, we did that. He gave feedback, and then he was just like, "I, I want to task you all to really, you know, consider telling this story. You know, not in just your." blank background and like a light and looking at the camera but like how can you really create a story and you know like get an editor involved get a you know like and he was working on a project at the time called the gaze and as in like gazing okay um and it was done you know across different states and all this other stuff these big people in it it won a couple awards and he was turning into like a film but anyway that inspired me and so i was like i'm gonna turn this film this monologue into a short and i did and it was steeped in just my frustration and disappointment with how um higher education institutions were like dealing with their students um in like in response to covid in response to covid sure um, so like the conversation of like, yeah, I mean, an online education is inqui- is equivalent to like exactly being in same. person. Yeah. And so thus the tuition should be the same. And, you know, we can't give you another year and like all these different things. And it's just like I would be hard pressed to find a faculty member who were if they were in our position would, you know, be still making the same argument, right, of course. you know. Um, and so, yeah, it was I was just it was a lot of disappointment. 
And I that was the best way for me to kind of get it out of my system, even yeah. though I still feel like I'm I'm healing and still letting I mean, it go. I mean, we, yeah, I mean, it's only been a few years at this point. Yeah. And you still very much have have to deal with that. But that's so cool. That's an interesting way. I mean, it's a beautiful way to sort of deal with your frustration, your feelings channel into this creative creative outlet. Yeah, and, and the title is, you know, that was my second year of grad school. So it's mm. my, you know, one year anniversary of being in grad school. And this was is that how happy we're doing it. Okay. Yeah. How, what was the process of directing yourself like? Was that? Yeah, you know, I feel like if I'm going to be honest, if I'm going to, yeah, I didn't give it, I didn't give it too much thought. It was just like I had gotten feedback from Larry mm -hmm. around the monologue. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of took that into more so how I art, uh, more, more so how I vocalized the monologue when I did it because it was a voiceover. So for the I guess the acting part, I see things in my head. Mm -hmm. You know, I I, I'm a, I think I'm a I'm, I'm very much a visual learner and a visual just person, so I can see how I want things to feel. I think the biggest challenge in um, shooting Happy Anniversary was just making sure that my my partner who I was working with, who was also like the set designer, was catching the angles that I needed to happen. So she was kind of like my impromptu DP. Sure, yeah. You know, because we had limited time, you know, we were lighting, like, and this is the first time, so like yeah, all and, the things you don't think about when you're right. just an actor. And because yeah. I'm still in school, like I only have this one day off, so like it's all it's gotta all happen today. Right. right. So there it was just it was moving really fast. And I think in some ways that was great because I didn't have a lot of time to be like uh not 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 necessarily meticulous, but I didn't have I didn't have a lot of time to be hyper careful. Mm -hmm. You know, it was just like trust yourself, get it done. I like and that. That was it. That's what you got to do. Yeah. Trust yourself. Get it done. That's it. So thank you so much for chatting with us today. Yeah. Um, we've got a little bit more time. I've got a few, like, just kind of quick little questions I like to throw at people. All right. See if, see if it sparks anything. First up, <laughs> I see on your resume, I'm genuinely curious about this, uh, one of your special skills is acro yoga. Yes. What the hell is that? Oh, my goodness. It's the best thing ever. I highly recommend everybody does it. Okay. It's like a mixture between acrobatics and yoga. So, okay. I, you know, like I just trapeze acrobatics. No, 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 like... no. There's no, no, no jump trampoline. It's <laughs> okay. you, you, two people. So I'm. I love partner anything. Okay. Partner dancing, swing, salsa bachata, like. And so this was a form of like physical activity that involved another person, mm -hmm. but also like stretches the limbs and sure. all those things. And in some, in another life, I did want to join the circus. And so, you know, do we the aerial and six yeah. silks. Yeah. <laughs> and so this was a way to like live that out. Hell yeah. Um, so like one of the, one of the moves or positions that I just think is so cool is like one person is like laying on their back with their feet up in the air, and then the other person places their hips on the soles of the other person's feet, and then is now, you know, parallel to them. Right, airplane. Airplane, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I remember when, like, I first learned this move, somebody was saying, you know, it's such an awesome sensation because most people have never felt 
the the sensation of being like just lifted being up. Adult, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, outside of being a baby, well, sure. but you know, like as, as, right, an, as adult, an adult, yeah. just like levitating, and it's just like if you have most people can get that sensation if you go to the water, but if you have a fear of water, then you just don't get to experience, you know? Yeah. And I was like, yo. Wow. And deep. and I right, it is deep. And I think too, you know, in this whole gender conversation, specifically men who mm. are usually the ones lifting people up, like how powerful is it to just like real quick reverse the roles and then like lift Trust them up. To lift you. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. And because your bones, if you know, if you do the positioning right, your bones will stack. Right. And when your bones are stacked, they can hold a lot more weight than if they're like bent or whatever. Right. It's not muscular. It's exactly. structural. Yeah. Come on. Come on, structural. I got you. Structural? Yeah. Let's go. Um, That's so, so cool. Yeah. And because you're in New York, of course, it, it's here. It you know? <laughs> go find here. a class. Yeah. Absolutely everything here. Acro yoga. Yeah. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look that up. Are there any, off the top of your head, any dream roles or dream projects you would kill to one day be a part of or to one day play i don't know if i would kill <laughs> or whatever anybody. whatever the verb is yeah you know i think my dream role doesn't exist oh um and so i am excited for it to be created wow. i would love to do like a film where you know we're reimagining like the Laura Craft story or something like that. You know, maybe not necessarily treasure hunting, but like just a badass, you know, spy, but not necessarily connected to a, a love story. Okay. You know, just some sort, out of, some here. sort of action. Action. Adventure. You know, listen, okay. Marvel, Marvel. <clears throat> oh, I'm available. Marvel. Listen, <laughs> I'm in this gym, okay? I'm working out five days a week. I'm getting it right, okay? You see these guns? That's right. John listen. Favreau, you see this? You see this, Favreau? I'm getting it together, okay? Call the woman. But yeah, I, I think I think playing a superhero would be cool. But outside of that, you know, even just an, an action film. Like, I mean, bless his heart, Tom Cruise. Tom? Like, yeah. the man is knocking on 60, but where? Okay? Yeah. Where? Still takes his shirt off on the beach with the 20-year-olds and Listen. fits right in. But you know, just to just to be to do something like cool like that, I feel like it's it's rare. It's rare that you see that, and I feel like it's rare that you're not even just black women, but it's rare that you see women, mm. you know, taking up that kind of space in those kind of roles. And I would love to to do something like that where it's not about you know seduction or. You know, it's just about skill set. Right, straight up badass. That's it. Like taking, I got a set of special skills. Yeah, no. There you go. So that. Spe speaking cool. of women of color stepping into those roles, though. Yeah. That's uh, maybe you can maybe you can be the next in the next series of Taken. I, I receive it. Like, oh, oh my gosh, here we go. Regina King in the heart of they fall. Like that was just badass. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, okay. it wasn't about seduction. Trudy, just don't cross her. Don't cross her. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love that. I love that answer. Yeah. Um, another little rapid fire question. Okay. What drew you to acting slash art slash theater? Like what what, yeah. what caused you to, to, to come this way? To sure. The dark side? I mean, it's not the dark side. It's the light side. <laughs> okay. 
I grew up in the church, so I was always around, I think, art and mm. specifically music, dear choir, yep. all the way up through high school. And so I feel like I've always been exposed to art, but why acting specifically? I just remember watching that scene, Medea's family reunion, and like Cicely Tyson is talking to, you know, the grandchildren and being like, you know, you got to have respect respect yourselves, you know, and like legacy and this is what we fought for, da, 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 da. And it, her delivery of that speech was just so powerful. Mm. I felt like she was talking to me and it was on TV, you know? And so I was just like, man, I want to be able to have that type of impact, you know? I want people to, to feel, you know? And I remember going to a play, my aunt took me to this play in Chicago I don't remember the name of it, but it was a it was a period piece. And I remember the lights going up and the actors coming out in their regular clothes, but I still felt like they were those characters, you know? And I was right. like, I felt like I had been transported somewhere. Yeah. You know? And I was like, yo, that was wild. So I think that's when the seed was planted and okay. then Sicily. And then I was like, there's gotta be a way to do this. Yeah. The, the magic of performing. Yeah, yeah. That's why most of us do it. Do you have or could you make up on the spot a professional and or personal five-year plan for us? Just track out what you want to happen. Five years? We're obviously not going to hold you to this. Man, you know, you, I saw that question and I was like, I should probably <laughs> think about it. Um, you know, what, what year is this? This is 2023. So 2028, I'm going to skip it. I'm going to skip it. I'll just loosely say I will be financially making at minimum 80% of my income as being an artist. And yeah, and it will be above the poverty level. (laughs) Yeah, 80% (laughs) of something significant. Yeah. Good. Uh, I, I mean, hey, that's a great plan. Are there any other creative outlets that you have or that you pursue that we haven't talked about? Any other hats you wear artistically? Um, I love dancing. Okay. I have not made the time to do it mm. since being back. And that's okay. Yeah. But I, I really do enjoy it. And um, a dream of mine is to learn piano. I bought a keyboard during the pandemic. Excellent. I got access to a music theory book. Excellent. I was like, oh, it's going down. That's we right. got to be in the house. Oh, baby. <laughs> Beethoven, I'm coming for you. Um, but I didn't take into consideration uh, the the depression and the just yeah. the demotivation that yeah. the pandemic would have. But um. I took the I took my keyboard out of the closet yesterday. I'm gonna set it up this week, and I think that will be my gift to myself. There you go. Just a little bit, you know. Schedule some time, yeah. a little bit, one percent every day. That's right, a little bit of intentionality. Growth. That's it. Beautiful. So, actor, director, dancer, and budding pianist. Listen, it's what, what we got. Beautiful. <gasps> I do have a dream role. Oh, what's a dream role? Yeah. Tell me the dream role. You know, role. I would love I would love to play a doctor in a film or in a television series. 
as a kid, I always mm. wanted to be a doctor and an actress. Yep. And I didn't realize that, you know, I didn't realize how drastically different the professions <laughs> are because in my head, they seem very similar, helping people, yeah. you know. Um, and I didn't know. I mean, I think had I known some of the stuff that I know now, it's like, hmm, maybe I would have gone to medical school, got it done. Sure. And then made it a shift. Dead like done the Ken Jong. Yeah. That's it, you know. But since we didn't do that, <laughs> and uh, probably not going to, you know, uh, that commitment, I would love to play a doctor um, okay. in film or television as a way to, like, complete that circle. Yeah, absolutely, to live out that dream. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, that, I mean, almost answers my, my final question. Um, I like to sort of end on this as, mm -hmm. a, as a what if. Um, if you weren't an actor slash artist slash creative, what would you be? Yeah, I think uh, a doctor or a lawyer. Or a lawyer. Why or lawyer? A lawyer. Um, I remember being in fourth grade and my friend Crystal got pushed by this boy on the playground. No, yes, she did. Oh. And I was not having it. And I, you know, she like hit him back or something. And I went with her to the principal's office and I basically defended her. I was like, I saw it. This is what he did. And he got in trouble and she didn't. And, um, and since then, been chasing that high ever since. You know, <laughs> I was just like, I would make a good defense attorney. But yeah, I mean, that that moment was was pinnacle. And then I did mock trial in high school. Oh. And I mean, if you think about the skill set, a lot of, you know, what lawyers do, you know, prosecution, et cetera, is storytelling. Absolutely. And yeah, here's the narrative. Persuasion and some manipulation. Not that I would necessarily want to do those things, but uh, the story. Yeah, yeah. The the storytelling aspect is there, and I I do feel that like a lot of people, um, unfortunately, in this country, get kind of swept under the rug because they don't have, you know, passionate people necessarily working on their behalf. They don't have inquisitive people willing to ask the hard questions yeah, and you know as an actor when you're given a side and not the whole script or you know when you're given a script but the character's one-dimensional you know inquisitivity and curiosity is really what helps you flesh right. out the character and so I often wonder like how many people's lives could be saved or you know transformed if people were just asking different questions that's beautiful. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, it's never too late. Maybe maybe one day you go to law school, you go to med school, become a lawyer, doctor, actor. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've seriously still considered of course. going back to law school um, because it's, it's not as long of a commitment. Right. And it requires less immediate specialization as well. Yeah. And, you know, maybe not going down the necessarily prosecution defense route, but entertainment law yeah. because... I am a I am a you corporation. Are, you are a corporation. You are a corporation and an entertainer <laughs> and a wonderful <laughs> guest to have on our podcast. Thank, Why, you thank you so much for joining us. This has been amazing. Um, any final words of advice? Any last wisdom for for the Utes? Oh yes, uh, wisdom. You know, I would just say this world is full of. A lot of people who didn't necessarily have the space and language um, to be who we are, you know, yeah. out here trying to become. Yeah. 
And I think because of that, there's a lot of um, frustration, um, misdirected commentary, um, and sometimes just straight up ill will. And so if you are an artist or if you are just a person, I would just offer to guard your heart in a way that keeps you obviously open to opportunities and whatever your craft is, but but create a council around you of people who are going to like lift you up, you know, talk you off the ledge and offer you perspective because I think perspective is what a lot of people miss. With perspective, you can have empathy for those people. With perspective, you can give grace to yourself. And with perspective, you can stay focused on what you're like trying to go after. Beautiful. That was Adream Smith. I am James Hale. This was one hail of a conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for listening. To learn more about any of the creatives who spoke in this episode, check out their social media links in the episode description.